Although American Civil War and UK history is a hobby, there are small costs associated with running a podcast. So if you enjoy our content, please support the show. You can do this by pressing the support the show button or pressing on the link to buy me a coffee in the show notes. Thank you for your continued support. Daz, American Civil War and UK history. Cheers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Civil War and UK History channel on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And also now, all of my audio will be available as a podcast. At the moment, you can only get free because I'm only allowed to upload a certain amount at a time. But this particular one will be available in March. So what are we here for today? So it is the English Civil War series, episode two. And it is about the Battle of Great Torrington in 1646. And I would like to welcome Alan Mitchell, or as I know him, as Big Al from Taddyport. So, Al, how are you today? I'm fine, Darren. How are you? Wish you were down here with us. I know. I miss you so much. Uh, you know. Normally by now, we'd be in the Black Horse having a few we would. we would. Anyway, so Al has been a big part of Great Torrington for his whole life. Not only that, he's a local historian. In the 70s, he was in a punk band called Cult Maniacs, and he has got songs on Spotify, so go and have a listen. I've got a couple on my playlist, um, especially Lucy Lou, but it's a bit rude. Anyway, and many others through the years. Also, is the town crier a bit of a local celebrity? Pretty much everyone knows you in Torrington, don't they, Al? Let's be honest. People certainly do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not a bad thing, by the way. <laughs> I have had the pleasure of knowing Al for 17 years. Normally, me and a couple of others would travel to Great Torrington, which if you're not familiar with it, and this time I'm going to load this up. <laughs> right. Anyway, so this is Great Torrington here. This is Kent. This is how long it takes. Five hours. Right. So it's a little place in North Devon which from Kent is about four and a half to five hours. But unfortunately, we can't go there this year because of the great pandemic, or as I like to call it, the plague. Um, normally, as Al has already mentioned, we'd be in a Black Horse pub having a few beers. I would be boring the locals. You know who you are. Um, so hello, everyone. The best thing about the Black Horse is it was there during the battle, wasn't it, Al? It well, certainly was. It was Ralph Hopton's headquarters during the night of the battle, yeah. And we will talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So, ours also worked for a time for 1646 Centre, which was a tourist attraction, but unfortunately yeah. now is closed. Um, and you currently work tending the Common. So, just tell us about the Common, please, mate. Yeah, the uh, the Common's a great tract of land around Torrington, uh, nearly 400 acres, uh, given to the people of Torrington in 1139 by Baron Fitzpain, the Baron of the Castle in Torrington. Um, protected by Act of Parliament in 1889. Um, the commoners could graze their sheep and goats and whatever on it and take fire off of it, which they still do. They don't graze animals on there anymore, but it's just now it's just a, a lovely uh, space around the town, keeps the air clean. That's why we're the healthiest town in England. There you apparently. go. There you go. They, they, it's definitely healthy down there. The air is definitely healthy. Oh, anyway, definitely, yeah. yeah. Just before we get into the battle itself... What is happening in England at this stage and what brings the English Civil Wars down into uh, Devon? Well, uh, the Battle of Tyrant was fought on Monday, February the 16th, 1646. The English Civil War started in 1642, so the country had been 
uh, having this great this great war for four years and people were just generally getting fed up with it. Harvests weren't getting taken in and family was family were fighting each other. Uh, towns were getting burnt and people were just getting fed up with it. Uh, the, the royalists were losing. Uh, most of the country had been taken by the parliamentarians, but us down in the southwest, Devon and Cornwall and parts of Dorset, were still staunchly royalists supporting the king, except for a few coast towns. Plymouth was um, parliamentarian, as was Barnsville and Biddeford. This is probably because of Charles's ship tax he imposed on the support towns and cities, and it didn't make him very popular at all. So um, Thomas Fairfax had uh, come down to the southwest with his massive army of over 20,000 men. He had taken Bristol, he had taken Taunton, Tiverton, and then he was at the gates of Exeter. Now, Exeter was a, uh, wasn't going to be a battle because Exeter was still a uh, city wall around it. So the Battle of Exeter actually became a siege of Exeter. Okay. And also, you told me a story once as well about, and it didn't happen in the Black Horse, it was a different pub, but about somebody a few days before the battle was uh, was a uh, moaning about the king or talking ill of the king. And then tell us a story, please. Oh, no, this one, the Black Horse, there's a pub around the corner called the Rising Sun. It's not a pub anymore. The building's still there. Another old medieval pub. The man was called Henry Bowles. This was about two or three weeks after the battle. He was in his cups, it says in the old accounts, which means he was drunk. And he was basically running down the parliamentarian army. And there happened to be some um, parliamentarian soldiers in the pub as well. And they dragged him out and they hung him under the town hall and, and executed him. But without trial or anything, just actually hung him there and then. Gruesome. Yeah. So, as you've already mentioned, royalists were led by Lord Hopton. And every time I walk into your house, he stares at me. I don't, I don't <laughs> think he likes me because I'm parliamentarian. But there you go. Um, so, then obviously the parliament was led by Thomas Fairfax. So, yeah. Yeah. through the night of the battle now. So, obviously, as you said, he was in the Black Horse uh, Hopton. So talk us through that. Well, yeah, the um, Hopton, uh, Hopton was down in Cornwall first with um, the young Prince of Wales, future Charles II, having a council of war. They knew that Fairfax was on his way down to the southwest. They're having a council of war in Truro. And all the great bigwigs of uh, the royalists were there. Hopton was there. Grenville was there. Lord Capel and all these people. Grenville was in charge of the Cornish royalists, which made up uh, a large part of Hopton's army. Um, but Grenville was also a very mouthy person. Didn't he? Didn't um, like. He, he was a hothead. He just um, he was swore at the young prince, and he didn't he like didn't like the young prince in command. And the young prince Charles actually had him thrown into uh, prison on St Michael's Mount in Cornwall, and they gave the command of the Royalist Army to Sir Ralph Hopton. Sir Ralph Hopton immediately left Truro and marched to Torrington. He was trying to. He was going to Exeter first to um, obviously have a battle with Thomas Fairfax. But the, the, but the logical way to go from Truro would be to, from Truro, go through Oakhampton, then to Exeter. But Ralph Hopton decided to come via Torrington, a roundabout way, because he knew that in Holsley and in Torrington, they were both royalist town, they could swell the ranks of his army. He only had about 7,000 Cornishmen with him, see? So he went to Holsley, which he did, and then come to Tartan to try and swell the ranks of his army. And the weather was really bad. So he's actually waiting in Torrington for his baggage train to catch up. His baggage train 
was estimated to be nearly a mile long of all his supplies, and it's bogged down in the mud at Woodford Bridge. So he's waiting in Torrington for his baggage train to catch up. That's why he was in Torrington. Okay, and he was eating his supper when uh, the Parliament turned up. Was oh, you jumped the gun there, Darren? Excuse the pun. (laughs) Yeah, he was. There was he he barricaded the east side of town. He knew the the renew the parliamentarians in Barnstable. He barricaded the east side of town and waiting was waiting for his baggage train to catch up. Now Thomas Fairfax knows that Sir Ralph Hopton's on the way, so Thomas Fairfax splits his forces. He leaves ten thousand men or so behind. Bombard and Exeter, red-hot cannonballs trying to set fire to the city to end the siege. But because of the bad weather, all the buildings were wet, the thatch was wet, the city didn't catch fire. If you look on the east side of Exeter Cathedral, it has um, still got dents in the stonework where cannonballs have hit it, um, but obviously the walls were thick and bring it down. So Thomas Fairfax, with the other half of his army, marches on to Tarrington. The first town he comes to is a town called Crediton. In his accounts, um, he says Crediton, he describes Crediton as being a great, lousy town. There he leaves behind his five great pieces of ordnance because um, the, the roads are so muddy, his five great cannons, he couldn't drag them through the mud, so he leaves them behind at Crediton. He marches on, comes to a little village called Chumley, there, or Chimley was called back then, and there he leaves 40 pounds to be distributed amongst the poor. He marches on, and then early on the morning of Monday, February the 16th, 1646, he arrives at a little village on the outskirts of Tarnham called St. Giles in the Wood. And there's a great manor house, or was a great manor house, called Stevenstone House, owned by Lord Roll. Nobody knows what Lord Roll was. Lord Roll was renowned for changing sides when it was uh, when it's convenient for him, but he left behind 200 musketeers to defend his house. When they saw the size of Fairfax's army, we read they fire a smattering of shots and quit the manor, ran away. And Stevenstone House became the headquarters of Sir Thomas Fairfax. Now, Sir Thomas Fairfax immediately sends out scouts to check up, creep up on the town of Torrington, spy on Torrington to see what the defences were like and how many men Hopton had and these kind of things. Hopton obviously knew that Fairfax had arrived. He also sent out scouts to, um, to check up on Fairfax, camped in the, in the fields in Stevenstone House around St. Giles in the wood. And in the accounts of the battle, in the, in the accounts of the battle, we read that these two bodies of men did meet six fields breadth from the outside of the town, where they did discourse coarse language and musket balls through the hedgerows. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. You want me to carry on? Yes, please, mate. Carry on. Yeah, coarse language and musket balls through the hedgerows. Now, it was very dark, obviously, no streetlights back then. Um, it's very difficult to tell who or who. So, as quite often in the Civil War, a series of field signs and passwords were devised. Now, for the parliamentarians, it was a sprig of gorse in the helmets and the password, Emmanuel, God with us. And for the royalists in Torrington, it was a white handkerchief on the right arm and the password, we are with you. If you didn't have the field sign or didn't know the password, you could quite easily get mistaken for being the enemy and shot, even by your own side. We read of um, 
Thomas Fairfax riding through his men, checking upon his men and challenged by a body of musketeers. And, the, and he said the, the password, Emmanuel, God with us. But it had been changed because they believed that the royalists discovered the password. It was changed to truly. He nearly got shot by his own men, but he managed to talk them out of it when they realized who he was. Um, the battle started, as I say, on the outskirts of Tarleton, six fields breadth from the outside of town. I know the road where it actually started. It's still there, a little narrow road that leads us to the Barnesville Road. That's where the turnpike was. Um, the Royalists started falling back to town. Um, and they got behind a great barricade. Now, as you come into Torrington, just past the Cottage Hospital, there's a street called East Street and Calf Street. A great barricade was thrown up there. Uh, they actually pulled down a couple of barns and that to make a barricade across the road. Now, these barricades held very well until a Captain Bennett of Fairfax's cavalry rode around the back of the barricade through someone's gardens, came, actually rode through some houses, came out behind the barricades. And when the Cornish Royalists saw this, they all started running towards the centre of town, running away. The barricades were pushed over and all the parliamentarians started pouring into Torrington. Now, a lot of historians believe that if the Cornish Royalists were led by Richard Grenville, the true commander, who was in, on, in, in prison on St. Michael's Mount, they might not have run away, but they were uh, under Sir Ralph Hopton. Now, Sir Ralph Hopton at this moment in time was in the Black Horse, his headquarters having his supper, believe it or not. <laughs> and um, they come running to tell him that the parliamentarians were pouring into the town. So he comes out of the pub, he gets on his horse, and with a body of men, goes down Well Street to engage the pikemen coming up the street. He gets thrust in the face by a pike, and um, the pike goes, actually goes in his mouth and comes out under his ear. It didn't kill him, but he had the scars there for the rest of his life. Um, he fell off his horse, and falls on the ground. Now, his, uh, the men with him actually grow, catch him another horse, find him a horse. He gets on the horse, but the horse is ill-equipped to take the Lord General's weight. He's actually quite a big fat man, and the pony is quite small. Um, he tries to turn the pikeman, but fails miserably, and turns around, and he also starts running away, retreating from the battle. The biggest insult for Sir Ralph Hopton is personal colours, his personal flag. It's a long blue silk flag with gold embroidery, it said, I will strive to serve my sovereign king. This flag gets taken by the enemy, which is obviously a big insult um, for Sir Ralph Hopton. He flees the town with, with, his, with his officers and men, flees up to the top of Mill Street, down Mill Street, and over Taddybrook Bridge. He leaves behind in the pub his supper half-eaten. <laughs> Great portmantles full of plates. Now, these portmantles are big leather bags full of Gold coins you, you had to pay his troops for. These were what left behind. He left be, leaves behind his fur, his fur jacket and his supper half eaten. So no doubt when the parliamentarians get to the Black Oils, we must finish off Ralph Hopton's supper. And he runs away and escapes back down into Cornwall. Do you want me to carry on? Are you going to ask me another question, uh, yeah, Aaron? Uh, he actually runs, so they come down past, don't they, past where you live? They yeah. actually, yeah. My, my, one of my outbuildings was a smithy. There was, a, there was a big stone on the wall, a big plaque, in memorandum of the musketeers who held the smithy and town bridge for the gentry and men of substance to make their escape to Kernow um, after the fall of Great after the fall of Torrington 
during the days of the Great Rebellion, uh, 1645. No, it says 1645 because back in those days, they were living by the Julienne calendar a year behind. And the calendar has changed the 1700s to 1646 or a year ahead, but it's 1645. The stone is still up in the garden. I'm going to put it back on the wall. This is where Sir Ralph Hopton escaped over Tallyport Bridge and back down into Cornwall. What a lot of people don't realise is this little road outside our house was actually the main road from Biddeford to Barnstable to Plymouth. It was the pack road. That's why the bridge was built uh, in 1269. And this was the main road. That's why Torrington and Tallyport were so important back in those days. Okay. Carry on. Now, after Hopton had ran away, a lot of our information we get from the accounts from a man called Joshua Sprigg. Now, Joshua Sprigg was Fairfax's personal chaplain. He had, he had gone all over the country in Ireland with Fairfax. He was a good source of information. He would send regular dispatches back to William Lenthal. William Lenthal was the Speaker of the Houses of Commons. And um, he's very interesting to read all his accounts. He's telling the story about the torrent, and he talks about Ralph Hopton running away. He then says... By half past 11 at night, there be a massive explosion. The ground shaketh, a great tongue of flame in the sky like hell itself. Masonry, lead and timber do fall about the town, staving in the roofs of many houses and killing many men. A great web of lead nailed to an oaken beam falls from the sky and kills the horse of Master Rhodes, a captain in the cavalry right beside Thomas Fairfax himself. A barrel of gunpowder lands in the square in the centre of town, smashes open, spilling its contents everywhere. Obviously, the Royalist gunpowder store that was kept in the church had been fired. Now, it turns out that a man called Robert Watt, a North Country man, had been paid 30 guineas to blow up the gunpowder. Um, we know this because it's well documented that Robert Watt was pulled from the rubble the next day, still alive. He confessed to what he'd done, but we read he expires from his wounds in the afternoon. But also in the church was over 200 prisoners. These also got killed in the blast. It was a massive great blast. Um, and outside the front of the church door is to the east is a big long mound. And this is where all these soldiers are buried. There's 80 barrels of gunpowder. It works out roughly one and a half tons of gunpowder was blown up on that night. And there you go. Very interesting story. Blimey, yeah, that's a, that was a big explosion. So, what was it? What was it like for the people living in Torrington during the battle? We read that most of the people had fled um, over to Little Torrington get to get out the way of it. Um, a lot of people would pretend to be um, obviously on the side of the person who's occupying your town, so to speak. But um, a lot of people had fled. But the explosion didn't just. Um, blow up the church it flattened most of the center of the town and there was nowhere to stay reread uh, thomas fairfax couldn't stay at the black horse the, the roof was blown off so he had to make his way all, all his way back to little torrent i uh, saw not little torrent sorry to st giles in the wood back to Stevenstone manor because not a roof was on any of the houses in torrington yeah and uh you was mentioning about the date um i remember last time i came you actually showed me there's actually a uh uh, stone isn't there on the side of the church before you go in that's right the that, that says 1645 so that must have been put in before the 1700s when uh, when the calendars were changed you know to the, from the gregorian talent gregorian 
from the sorry, the Julian calendar invented by Julius Caesar to the Gregorian calendar we live by today. Okay. Right, that's really good. Thanks for telling us that. So that's basically the battle. So um, as I was mentioning, normally when we come down in February, we do the commemorative march. Um, now, I just want to talk a little bit about my first time coming down there, because that was a long time ago now, back in 2004. And it was a 10 hour journey. Could you imagine? I didn't I have can, a, yeah. yeah, we didn't have a car. So we had to get on a bus. Um the National Express, and of course, we had to wait around in London for an hour before we then we got down it, to Exeter. So that was about a six-hour journey. Of course, <laughs> the rest of them were all drunk in the pub by then. By the time we get there, but anyway, we get to Exeter, and I and I said to this this uh, this old bloke here, and I said, "How how far is it from t- to Torrington from here?" And he went, "Oh, it's about another two hours yet." I went, "Oh, for goodness sake!" Anyway, we got on a double-decker bus, and I mean. There'd be a lot of people that have never been to Torrington, but it's all country roads. And in a double decker bus, that was an experience. (laughs) I know. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) After that, I learned how to drive and I never went on the bus ever again. So there you go. All I'd like to say, say, Darren, is thank you very much, you guys, for coming down from Kent and supporting our march. We get people in Torrington. Not everyone. A lot of people do support it. We get a lot of people who come out and see the fireworks. And want and don't join in the march or nothing. Like you come away from Kent, so my hat goes off to you, like you know Thank what I mean. Thank you very much. So normally on Saturday morning, we uh, we all go out, don't we? Uh, we uh, oh we don't. You missed something first. Did I? Yeah, I cook you all a fried breakfast. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I always come down for your nice juicy sausages. I <laughs> always goes to the butchers and gets the best sausages. That's and right, yeah. The wear sausages can't beat wear sausages. You can't beat one of ours breakfast on a Saturday morning after a hangover. <laughs> so anyway, after we've had our breakfast, do apologise, um, we normally will go and then promote the battle from round the town square. And uh, obviously, Al being the town choir, crier, sorry, will get his big bell out and give it a ring. And what do you normally say? Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. All good Christian people of Great Torrington. Tonight, there'll be a grand torchlight procession to commemorate the Great Battle of Torrington that was fought on February the 16th, 1646. God save the king. A pox on the king. There we go. That's brilliant. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Anyway, so normally at around about 7 p.m. from the school, we sort of tr- we so the route taken into town is that is that that the actual Actually, the, route? The exact route of the, uh, the 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 army took when they came into Torrington. Yeah, it's the exact exact route. Okay, and we march round into the square where the mayor then does their little speech. The speech, and then you do a speech which was read by somebody after the battle. Is that right? Well, um, after the Battle of Torrington, the next day, Thomas Fairfax ordered any remaining townsfolk and soldiers to be assembled in the centre of Torrington. And a, a man called Joshua, uh, not Joshua Spriggs, Hugh Peters, a very unpopular preacher. He, he was with Fairfax's army. He was a radical nutcase. He read a severe sermon to the people assembled in Torrington. Um, the kind of the kind of person he is, is on, his, on Fairfax's way down to the southwest they, they were coming across Salisbury Plain and it was pouring down with rain and Hugh Peters got off his horse and knelt in the mud 
in front of Fairfax's horse and beg for gunpowder to blow up Stonehenge. He said as a monument to paganism. This is the kind of man he was. But obviously, uh, Fairfax is quite a wise man. He, he, just, he said, no, we can't do that. But Hugh Peters read uh, a severe sermon to all the assembled townsfolk. I know what's going to happen now, Darren. You're going to ask me to read it, aren't you? I am. That's what I want you to do. Well, if you hold on a minute, because it's upstairs, I forgot to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Ian? <laughs> Ian? In the wardrobe, is that is is the uh, is the uh, is, is the roll? Can you bring it down, please, honey? The proclamation. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I did forget. I've remembered everything else, Darren, but I forgot that. It, it doesn't matter. Anyway, on a, on a kind of footnote, Hugh Peters after the Battle of Torrington, after the English Civil War, Hugh Peters came back to Torrington, was instrumental in the rebuilding of Torrington Church and was rector of Torrington for five years, believe it or not. But then, um, during the restoration of the monarchy, 1666, all the regicides were hunted down, including Hugh Peters, because of all the hatred he had stirred up against uh, Charles II's father, Charles I. He was hung, drawn, and disemboweled at Charing Cross for for what he had done. So that was Hugh Peters. He actually rector rector in this town for five years. A Bible in one hand, and a pistol in the other. That's the that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of bloke he was. This is the letter written by Fairfax and read in the square after the morning after the Battle of Tarn. You ready? Okay, let's go. Your Worship, the Mayor, truly England and the Church of God hath had a great favour from the Lord in this victory bestowed upon us. The enemy, as we were informed, was 5,000 horse and 3,000 foot. It was a hot siege, as one of our men reporteth. It was as desperate service as in the most violent storm that was made since the march of the army. The, prince, the prince's army hath fled, and the lords Hopton and Capel matters did not go well. Their army is scattered, and many of the men of substance are held in the town. And the commoner sort in the church. We freely pardon those who fought in the prince's army. Many are now enlisted in the army of parliament, and others will have two shillings apiece and free passage soon to resort to their own country. <coughs> Excuse me. Have no doubt, if arms are raised against us again, we will burn this town to the ground and enslaven the people therein. We are sensible of the manifold tribulations of the inhabitants of this town of Great Torrington and extend the protection to the army of the army to the inhabitants. We desire those who willingly venture their lives in this divine work to enslave in the army and listen, sorry, the army forthwith. Good townsfolk, I advise you as you will charge in the day of judgment to give praise and thanks to God for his great mercy catechize read and expound the scripture to the people not doubting but the parliament and the goodly townspeople to follow the mayor and repair forthwith to the church to give glory to god thank you there you go that was very that was the very letter written by uh thomas fairfax and read the day after the battle of torrington now after that we would then march around to the churchyard where we would then 
uh, go and lay a reef. So this is the mass grave for people that's never been to Torrington. So yeah. the 200 people are buried under there. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. In, in 1997, it was the 350th anniversary of the Battle of Titan, and they had an archaeological dig there and immediately started found, they found bones. And there's actually uh, rusty armor on some of the bones, but they didn't disturb it and take it out. They just done a test, a test gig to confirm. We are pl having plans to put a memorial stone on the mound at some time, but I don't know when. Oh, that would be really nice. Yeah. And yeah. also, obviously, living in Torrington all your life, you have come across and tending the common. You have come across a load of artifacts, haven't you? So tell well, us. Most certainly, most certainly have I got my own private museum, not just of stuff from the Battle of Torrington, but um, I mean, we've got flints, everything from prehistoric flints, all sorts of things. Yeah. So you see in the picture, there's a halberd head there that was found in. Um, in a garden by the barricade. I, I, that was found when I was about 13 years old. A friend of mine found it. I was the uh, I was the bane of my history teacher's life. He used to have his uh, lessons pre-planned, and I was like a cardboard box full of artifacts I'd found <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> Completely disrupted his history lesson. Anyway, one most of it was rubbish. One morning, he pulled out that halberd and said, we just get that. I said, oh, Brooksy gave it to me. His father found it in the garden. It, and, and they said this garden was right by the barricade. That's a halberd head. The sword there is a 17th century rapier. And that was found on the under the eaves of a cider press in the 1930s, believe it or not. They took the they, they took the thatch off the cider press, refatched it, and it was found above the wall. And when I first moved into this house down here, um, an old gentleman came down with a wrap of newspaper and this thing in it. And he said, I hear you collect old things. Al. You, can, you can have this if you want. We're moving away. If you don't want it, I'm going to check it out in the dump. <laughs> so um, I got the sword as well. Wow. But 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 recently, Darren, not long ago, I got yeah. given. Can, can you see me? Yeah, I can see you. Show I got it. given this. Now this is a pike head from the Battle of Tartan. This was found by one of the workmen when Stephen Stone House, the manor house that was Hopton's, oh, sorry, at Fairfax's headquarters in 1646. Um, it stayed in. This is found under the floorboards when they pulled the house down. It's a pike head. If you look in the handle, it's still got a piece of wood at the top of the pike shaft in the handle. Can you see that? So 360-odd years old or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I should imagine it's quite a hefty thing. Um, yeah. It probably got snapped off, and maybe some workers around the farm use it as a tool for something else. You never know. Like, you know. Yeah. Got over, two, got over 2,000 musket balls. And you still find them, people still find them. You imagine the Battle of Torrington involved over 17,000 men. It was the, one of the biggest battles ever fought in the Southwest. 7,000 of these men were musketeers. If the Battle of Torrington started six o'clock in the evening and finished at two o'clock in the morning, there must be thousands of musket balls somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Right. And we've even got one, so I'm going to bring this back up again. We've even got a little something for the American Civil War fans because. You have got a telegraph, haven't you? Yes, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> so I'll just bring that up for the Americans, you know. Um, so from 1861, it's a, uh, a Confederate um, telegraph. So there you go. That's for you guys. Um, anyway, so I'm going to move on now to the – the because uh, I want to mention the Torrington Cavaliers. Um, I've met some of these guys in the pub, obviously, when I've been down there. So I want to give them a mention. They're always very nice to me and very kind. Um, so 
It's an organisation in Torrington. They organise a lot of the events in Torrington. Torrington is a very community um, orientated town. They, they do a lot of stuff, obviously, at the moment. They can't do anything. Um, they normally have a big bonfire, um, which obviously, as you can see there from the date, is going to be August 28th, 2021. It should have been 2020. Obviously, it was cancelled. Now, this particular bonfire is quite well it's just brilliant because the the people involved they build replicas of either a town or a ship and i'm going to show you some examples now so this is what the 2021 is it's the mayflower so do you know anything about the mayflower al that you could just quickly tell people but yeah last last um last august was the 400th anniversary of the mayflower leaving plymouth that's why that's why um the one you got on the right is hms victory by the way Oh, right. Okay. So that's an old picture. That's a, that's a different different ship. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just. Uh, Mayflower is 400 years. Cause don't forget, lots of Puritans uh, went yeah. uh, uh, on the Mayflower to uh, to escape persecution. I think a lot of, a lot of um, Puritans, some from Torrington and Biddy from Barnsville, went as well. That's why yeah. it's very close to us here. But um, I mean, I just wanted to highlight I mean, look at the skill involved in building this. You know, I mean, this is a full, nearly full size. You know, I mean, and again. Exactly. No, it's the exact size. Yeah, exact size. So obviously, this is a, a another again. I think with victory, that's smaller. But uh, the, the yeah. Mayflower on the left is actually the, the exact size of um, the Mayflower. And I've got some other examples here of stuff they built. So they did a mock of Torrington once. Is that right? Yeah, that was the um, that was the one on the left was the Battle of Torrington. So that, that was the fiftieth anniversary. That was absolutely crazy. We had the Battle of Torrington fought with the sealed knot here in Torrington. Nearly seven thousand turned up. And that was absolutely spectacular. And then obviously other examples of, of yeah. what they've done, which is just brilliant, you know, and, and the work that has gone in. I mean, it took them two years to build the Mayflower, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah. OK. And also, I want to point out as well that you're one of the only towns left in England. And there, there probably are other towns, but obviously... Torrington's the most important town in England to me. So um, you still celebrate May Day, which is a massive festival in which the whole town joins in. You still have the tradition of the Maypole dance, which I don't, well, you don't really see it anymore, do you? Well, there, there are towns who celebrate, do the Maypole dance around. It's, a, it's a, the biggest, probably the biggest event in Torrington's calendar. And it's based around the, the Roman festival of Flora, uh, come of spring and such like um, May Queen is May Queen is crowned and all that. I think in the old days, they actually crown a May Queen and take her out in the field and and, and cut her throat and spread her blood on the field to ensure a good a good harvest. But they don't they don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> anyway, so um, cheers, everyone. We've normally be in the pub now. Obviously, um, I'll leave that there for a minute. But also. Any all the relevant information, um, either to my channels or to the tourist information in Torrington, the Torrington Cavaliers website will all be on the description below on my YouTube video. So go and visit Great Torrington. Obviously, once the great pandemic of 2020-21 is over, because um, you don't want to spread it around, especially this Kent variant that's going around. I don't know where <laughs> that came from. Anyway, Kent. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, normally on a Saturday night, we would sit there and Al would get his guitar out. And because he's a very talented guy, 
So I would, I was just wondering whether you would do us the honour of singing us out of singing your famous song of the Battle of Torrington. Is that possible? Not Lucy Lou then? No, definitely not Lucy Lou. It's too early for that. People laugh at Lucy Lou, but we sold 25,000 copies before they banned it. I'm still getting royalties now. Now, I'm going to mute myself because otherwise I will be very tempted to sing along. Okay, so take it away, Al. Okay. Um, 1997, 350th, 350th anniversary of the Battle of Tartan. I wrote a whole album of songs to commemorate the battle, different songs. This is the only song that <coughs> survived out of all those songs. The chorus is based around the password for the Royalists, which is, Darren? The password for the Royalists. We are with you. Right, yeah. <laughs> On a bold winter's night, February 1646, the army of Parliament drew the people of Torrington behind the barricade were full of anger, full of tension, full of fear. The watch was alerted when muskets spat to death through the hedges, <coughs> soldiers on the run. In the rain and the darkness, the battle had begun. The forgotten battle of Torrington. <coughs> and we cried. We are with you, the password for the king. We are with you, bear up your arms. Through the streets, through the alleys, the pikemen push away as the barricade started falling one by one. The roar of fire, the ring of steel, echoed loud above the cries as the people started fleeing the burning town. There was rape, there was pillage, destruction all around, a desperate fight with pike and sword and gun. In the rain, in the darkness, the battle was nearly lost, the forgotten battle of Torrington. But we cried. We are with you, a password for the king. We are with you, bear up your arms and sing. Fairfax with 10,000 men marched across the countryside with a view to crush resistance in the West. Torrington, a royalist town, born in Cromwell's side, resisted, not like the rest. There was hate and resentment from all the nearby towns who sided with Parliament and Old Nick. In the rain, in the darkness, the battle was finally lost. The battle of Torrington. But we cried. We are with you, the password for the king. We are with you, bear up your arms and sing. Bear up your arms and sing. Bear up your arms and sing.
When the battle was finally over, an explosion shook the ground that blew the ancient church high into the sky. For the powder store that was kept there was blown by treachery. My man paid 30 guineas for them to die. For the church was a prison as well as a powder store. And 200 men died for king and cause. And on cold winter nights in the church side by side. You listen hard. You can hear them cry. They cry. We are with you. The password for the king. We are with you. Tear up your arms. We are with you. The password for the king. Brilliant, thank you very much. Now, I take it you'll still be doing the march tomorrow, will you? No, no, not doing anything. Oh, you're not doing it now, okay? No, but anyway, well, got... sorry, I'd like to, Darren, but um, you're not allowed, yeah. The police were the police were pulling people left, right, and centre, like for yeah, serious yeah. things. Yeah. Like. Anyway, um, we commemorated it here. So I hope all the people of Great Torrington enjoy it. I hope the people of the world enjoy it, getting to know what Torrington's all about, because obviously it's important. Al, I'd like to thank you very much for coming and talking to me. We were plagued by the ghosts, but we got there in the end. <laughs> so lots of ghosts around here, Darren. There is. So thank you very much.